welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. So just as a primer to us, I say us, meaning me and you, uh, for those who are new to this Anglican thing, in the service guides you have right in front of you, uh, these, this is the service guide for the great 50 days of Easter, uh, right? This season is longer than the 40 days of Lent. We have 50 days of Easter. That's pretty cool. And on the top of the back is the church calendar, and we're right here in the year of Eastertide, right? The white part that talks about the resurrection, another word that you could put there. Uh, in the life of Jesus, the resurrection, this could be the revelation, right? This is the part where we, we, we see that Jesus is who he says he was. And on the front of this, this is an old, this is an old picture that has a little bit of Greek at the top. You'll see it there at the top, Akai Epigenosin Auton, which simply means, and they fully knew him. They, they began to fully know their risen Lord Jesus. The disciples sat and they ate with him and he continued to teach them in these days of Easter. And that's what we are reenacting in this season. So we just heard from our gospel reading that the resurrected Jesus is fully known as my Lord and my God by Thomas. We love Thomas. Luke tells us that in these 50 days after the resurrection, Jesus taught his disciples again and again. He did it for three years, right? But he went back to the scriptures again and again from the Old Testament, showing how the whole story is fulfilled in him. So, here's the question. If Eastertide, a fancy way of Anglicans calling this Easter season, if Eastertide is about fully knowing Jesus, why are our New Testament readings these next seven weeks from the most difficult book in the Bible? From Revelation. When we hear the word revelation, not revelations, not revelations, revelation, or apocalypsis, the apocalypse, we hear two things, okay? The first thing we hear is foretelling, foretelling an inevitable dystopian future, judgment day or the zombie apocalypse, all these kinds of things, right? Or we hear, when we hear revelation, we hear confusion or opaque, and opaque means not clear, okay? That's, that's one of the funniest words in the English language because most people are like, what are you talking about? It's not clear. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Opaque, some kind of secret code is needed, but revelation means the exact opposite. John writes this letter to the church to, wait for it, reveal, to reveal Revelation to make fully known, to lift the veil off of our obscured, flattened view of reality, to reveal eternal purpose in the present and the future. Revelation is not a crystal ball, nor is it a science book. Revelation is a book of images, pictures intended to reveal and redeem our imaginations, our imaginations, not for a future chaotic world, 
but for the chaos of life right now, right now. So here is our present reality. Every day is a war for your imagination. It's, or to use a cheesy preacher phrase, it's an infinity war for your imagination. Sorry. I'm, I'm learning from Father Ben, so I'm trying to, trying to pick up on these uh, cheesy preacher phrases. Some, some cultural, some, man, I'm getting in trouble. Stay on the notes. Uh, some cultural analogies are low-hanging fruit, okay? So for most people, this isn't the second Sunday of Easter. It's opening weekend for Avengers Endgame. The final vision of an apocalyptic story. Okay, for most people, this isn't the season of Eastertide. It is the final season of a show I will never watch, Game of Thrones. So let me pause for a second and preach a little bit in this introduction. I am convinced that we should expect to see echoes of the true story, the true reality in this scripture in other stories. Whether that's Norse mythology or Disney's Beauty and the Beast or cosmic superhero stories. In other words, a fully alive Christian imagination can enjoy other stories. But here's, here's one of the big questions. Which story governs your imagination? Which rules over all the other stories? And do you suppose that your freedom in Christ frees you to appreciate good art and excellent production values as a medium for pornography, for sadistic violence, for idolatry disguised as romance? The list goes on. There is always and will ever be a war for your imagination, what you see. So far more than mere stories, we live in a world full of images that compete for our imagination, which is to say they compete for our heart, for what we love. And our aim in this Easter season is to more fully know Jesus, to see him, as John says, in all his glory. Our aim is the redemption of our imagination with John's revelation. So we're going to spend seven weeks in Revelation, six, six or seven weeks, somewhere around there. There are seven Sundays in Easter. Six weeks, I think, on Revelation. So open with me in your pew Bible to page one, 1028, right at the very end, the book of Revelation. That's, that's the introduction. Here's my sermon. Uh, there are different kinds of sermons, just as a warning. And this is a note-taking sermon, okay? So if you want to take notes, you probably should. And here is the question that I want to answer this morning. There's a couple different ways to phrase this question. What kind of book is the Revelation? What is, what is the genre? Or another way to say that is, how should we interpret John's revelation? How should we interpret it? And the flip side of interpreting the scriptures is always, the other side of that is, how is John's revelation going to interpret us? Okay? So this morning, I don't want to just give you a bunch of tools. I want you to be transformed. Okay? 
The scriptures should interpret us as well. And so here is the answer to that question. What kind of book is Revelation? Revelation is apocalyptic, prophetic letter. It's an apocalyptic, prophetic letter. I'm going to spend most of my time this morning on the first part, apocalyptic, with just a little bit of prophetic and letter dashed in at the end. So apocalyptic, revelation, revelation chapter one and verse one, look with me. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So the very first word of this book, it's not the English article, the, it's apocalypsis. It's, it's apocalypse. This is like flipping through the newspaper and seeing headline news at the top. Or, or comics. It lets you know what kind of literature you're about to start reading so that you're not confused. This is the revelation or the revealing, the unveiling of the disguised reality. So here's the, here's the most simple statement I can make this morning. Revelation is filled with images. With images, it is far more like comics section in the newspaper than the headline news. It is far more like experiencing a movie or a stage play than reading history. Okay? So let's compare apples and apples here. Rather than say, do not sin, John will say, this revelation of John describes visually what the destructive, beastly reality of sin looks like. Okay? Rather than say, do not be a slave to your passions, like it says all all over the New Testament, John describes bloody and violent beasts that are ruled by passions, by their desires, consuming and devouring. In Revelation, idolatrous cities are whores. Superpowers are blind and cowering kings. Churches that look alive are really dead. Churches that look alive are really dead. The persecuted are really victorious. Verse 3, Revelation chapter 1. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed is Meg Alden this morning. (laughs) Praise God. And blessed are those who hear, who hear, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Richard Bauckham says this about Revelation. John wants to expand his reader's world, both spatially into heaven and temporally into the eschatological future. Or, in other words, to open their world to divine transcendence. To open their world, to open their eyes. Verse 11 of chapter 1. John is told to write what you see. So, verse 12, John turned to see the voice. Even for the first century Jewish apostle John, you don't typically see voices, okay? You don't see voices, you hear them. But this kind of book, the apocalyptic genre, is concerned centrally with your imagination, for shaping the way you see reality. Verse 1, God gave it to us to show, 
to show his servants. The typical modern way to read this revelation is to think that this book is centrally focused on the last part of verse 1, right? We read the revelation of the things that must soon take place. Most of what you hear these days about understanding revelation, if you look in your study notes and your study Bibles, those infallible words that you read to help you out, they're not, by the way, just FYI. If you look in your study Bibles, revelation, understanding revelation is concerned with figuring out the future or who is the Antichrist or deciphering the code so that we can survive the zombie apocalypse. So I'm just going to say no and leave that there. This letter is not primarily about the things that must soon take place, although it is concerned with those things. The question is not primarily what or what is happening. The question of Revelation is who? Who? The reason why this book is our New Testament reading throughout these 50 days of Easter is because Revelation is is centrally the revelation of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, chapter 1, when I saw him, when I saw him, if you get nothing else out of this letter, this book, if you get nothing else out of this entire sermon series, if you get nothing else out of your entire life, you must get this. The Bible, this book, the very earth you live on and in, your entire life is about Jesus. It all exists because of him and for his glory, soul and soil. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, All creation groans for the apocalypse, for the apocalypse, for the unveiling. The blood of Jesus washes souls and redeems soil. And this is the true reality of the vision. Revelation is centrally about fully knowing, believing in, and worshiping. And worshiping the resurrected Lamb of God. Let me show it to you. Verse 4 of chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from Him. Him right here is God the Father, okay? God the Father who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, which is an apocalyptic way of saying the full spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priests to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the alpha and the omega says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Who is? Who is? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All of them. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the unveiling of the heavenly and earthly exaltation and worship of Jesus is what Easter is all about. God alone, and this is really important, 
In the Hebrew scriptures, God alone has the exclusive right to religious worship. Let us not forget the shock of this. We we can't forget this. The most intensely monotheistic people in all the world from the very beginning worship Jesus as Yahweh God. This is, this, is, this is very significant. We can't forget the shock of this. Jesus is not just a son of man. Jesus is the exalted son of man described here in chapter 1 with all the language used of Yahweh and Daniel. Jesus is not just a son of God, a spiritual being. Jesus is the son of God. So the message and the grammar of Revelation is very clear. There are not many gods. The singular is almost all, it's it's used in every case, talking about what God and Jesus are doing together. With one will, there is one God, God the Father, the Son, and the sevenfold Spirit. So we will say a lot about this reality in the coming weeks, but let me say one more thing about it before I move on. Uh, One more thing about Jesus. See, one of the distinctive features of apocalyptic literature is angels. Spiritual beings or messengers of God. In verse 1, Jesus sent his angel to John. He sent his angel to John. A very common response to angels in Scripture is to fall on your face in their presence. To fall on your face. Revelation chapter 19, hear this. Hear this and see this. Picture this in your mind. And the angel said to me, to John, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, the angel says. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Right here in our sermon text, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And what does he say back? But he laid his right hand on me saying, Not get up, don't worship me like the angel. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. More Bible. Revelation 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel. What a great phrase, right? The eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, here's the eternal gospel. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Okay. This is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, one with God. You hear me? He is God. In the flesh. Again, Richard Bauckham says this the conflict between God and Satan takes historical form in the conflict of human allegiances manifest in worship. In worship. 
The apocalypse divides mankind into worshipers of the dragon and the beast and those who will worship God in the heavenly Jerusalem. Worship is addressed to God and to the Lamb. To God and to the Lamb. Christ cannot be an alternative object of worship alongside God, but shares in the glory due to God alone. Okay? So, the eternal gospel is shocking. This is shocking and amazing, and it's true. It's true. So what? So what? What can you and I do in response to this revelation? So I want to give us three quick points of application. Number one, if it's not obvious yet, but I'm going to say it out loud very clearly and explicitly. Number one, worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Picture him. Worship the fierce lion who looks like a humble, bloody lamb. I saw a lion, and then I turned and I saw a lamb. Whoa. Worship Jesus, who died for you and destroyed death. Fall before him and worship. I cannot wait for Father Ben's sermon next Sunday. Number one, worship Jesus. Number two, read the prophets. Read the prophets. Look with me at verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this, what, this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. This book is an apocalyptic prophetic letter. Apocalyptic prophetic letter. Prophecy, hear me, prophecy is not centrally concerned with future prediction in the Bible. It's not centrally concerned with that. Prophets preach. Ezekiel preached. Daniel preached. Zechariah preached. Isaiah preached naked for three years. I'm not doing that this morning. Isaiah preached. And the image of a naked prophet showing, showing the exposure of Israel to the nations. This, this exposure, John the Baptist preached, Jesus preached, and so too the Apostle John is preaching in this letter. Jesus fulfilled the prophetic ministry of the Old Testament, and clearly, if you read the Gospels, part of Jesus' public ministry was apocalyptic sermons. All the Gospels, apocalyptic sermons. Richard Bauckham calls Revelation, the book, the book of Revelation, the climax of prophecy, the end, the final goal and aim of prophecy for a good reason. So if you want to understand what John is doing in this revelation, you have to read the Old Testament prophets. You have to read them not as predictive fortunes, but as much needed sermons for your life today. Okay, so shameless plug, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, Bible reading, we're discussing Ezekiel. That's a lot of reading, y'all. So start today. Read Ezekiel over the next 10 days and then come talk about it. You will understand what's going on in these next weeks as we go through Revelation more clearly. So worship Jesus, read the prophets, and finally, read this letter for today. Read this letter for today. Verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Okay? Revelation is an apocalyptic prophetic letter written to the church, the whole church, the complete church. 
So these seven churches are representative of all the churches. And this letter was to go forth throughout all the world, throughout all the generations down to us. The churches who first received this letter and heard it read aloud, who let these images shape their imagination, they understood this message. This is very important. They understood what was going on. They didn't need the returned state of Israel post-World War II to understand what was going on here. Okay? This is not fortune-telling. This is an imagination-shaping event. One more time, Richard Bauckham. Hear this. Encouragement in the face of oppression was only one of the needs of the seven churches. By no means were all of his readers poor and persecuted. Many were affluent and compromising with the oppressive system. Judgments of the letter, they themselves were in danger of incurring. Since worshiping the beast was not something only their pagan neighbors did. Okay? So, for some, John's letter was an encouragement John was for them, as our text says, an affectionate older brother and partner in the tribulation. But for others, John's letter from Patmos made them fear God and by God's mercy repent from their following every one of their beastly desires. Idolatry, tolerating Jezebel, this apocalyptic prophecy wasn't primarily about the future. It was and is about worshiping Jesus right now. So in preparation for these next seven Sundays in Easter, I encourage you to read and to hear Revelation 2 and 3 on Saturday night before the next Sunday morning so that we can, we can get into, into the warnings and into the encouragements And we can apply this letter, these sermons to our lives today. This letter is written for you today. Two more quotes and then I'm done. They're really good. I usually edit all these quotes out, but they're all coming in this time. This is from Dennis Johnson. One of the reasons why I'm an Anglican, by the way. But that's another story. If we could explain every phrase... Identify every allusion to the Old Testament scripture or Greco-Roman society. Trace every interconnection and illumine every mystery in this book. And yet we're silenced by the intimidation of public opinion. Terrorized by the prospect of suffering. Enticed by affluent Western culture's promise of security, comfort, and pleasure then we would not have begun to understand the book of Revelation as God wants us to. Our only safety lies in seeing the ugly hostility of the enemy clearly and clinging fast to our champion and king, Jesus. So hear this benediction from Jesus' mouth in Revelation 22. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires Take the water of life without price. In the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 